Well, morning. Got goosebumps already. I love that. Just absolutely love it. The gospel. Carrying faith for salvations. My name's San. If I've never said hi to you, then hi. Morning. Hope you're good. We're going to start this new series all on the gospel. We're going to start with ourselves, what we've encountered. And then across the coming weeks, we're going to look at, so what does that mean for our city? What does that mean for your mum and dad? What does that mean for your brother and sister, your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues? Carrying faith for salvations. That's what it's all about. Um, this is in response to Banning's word from Jesus Culture when he came and he met with us and he said, listen, I really feel God's got two gifts for you that you need to lean into. One was the gift of hunger. And we've just done a series on that, which is superb. Um, and the other was a gift for salvation. And actually, these are our gifts to unwrap and enjoy. And I want to enjoy it more and more because I realize I've been saved. Man, uh, uh, this is the best news. I've been saved. And what I've received, man, I want everyone to hear about this. So I want to start by asking you, what is the most ridiculous stuff you've ever heard? Like, what's the best news you've ever heard in your life? Think about that for a moment. For me, once it was Liverpool actually won the Champions League. That was news that changed me for a night. And I know that's, that's offended many of you. But what news? What is the news that you've heard? Surely this isn't true. This is too good to be true. Do you know, this message title this morning is, What is the Gospel? And the heart really across this series is that the gospel is revealed and restored. Gospel means good news. And it's God's news to humanity. So our prayer is that this news would be revealed to you, possibly for the first time. And if you know Jesus, it will be restored to you. And joy will underpin your life. Hope, peace, future. Let's turn to the Bible. So in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul is writing to this funny group of people, to be honest. Just look at 1 and 2 Corinthians, and they're not perfect, so we've got hope. Genuinely, like all sorts of craziness is going on in this church. But this is the best news that he wanted them to hold on to. Now, brothers and sisters, what I received, sorry, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received. I want to remind you of the good news I've preached to you, which you've received and by which you're taking your stand. It's like you've received it and you're living it. By this good news, you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, otherwise, friends, we've believed in vain. You've believed in vain. For what I received, I want to pass on to you as of first importance, that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, that he was buried in a tomb and that he rose again three days later, all in accordance to the scriptures. This is what he's writing to the people of God. He's saying it's been foretold that the news I want to share with you today has already been foretold. It's been passed on to us generation to generation to generation. As it said in the scripture, he will come. This Messiah will come and he will die. See, this is the most important news that Paul carried for him personally, which I'll share in a few moments, and for everywhere he went. 
Literally, church after church he went to, his message was, Jesus is alive. Grace to you. Like he'd finish all of his messages, grace to you. But he'd often start them looking at him. This is who I am. Guys, remember, Jesus is alive. I'm paraphrasing. For a lot of his letters, Jesus is alive. So that was his message. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. I want you to think, friends, brothers and sisters, what this means. Like, what does it mean for you right now? I know what it meant for me 16 years ago when I heard I could have all of my sins forgiven. What does it mean that Jesus carried all of your junk? Like, what does that look like in your life? Because I know what it looked like in my life. And it's too good to be true. All of our sins. And he was buried with it. And then three days later, he rose again. And the Bible says he was handed over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. We'll touch on that later on, what that looks like. But I just want you to think for a moment, what does that mean for you? Because I think it's so easy. Like for me, 16 years on, if my internet's not working, if match of the day's been cancelled, I am, life's over. Let's not go on. I know it's ridiculous. I'm giving you some extremes, but like we can live not just delving into the joy of what this looks like. I kind of want to look at you into your eyes a little bit and think, what's it look like for you? For Paul, it was everything. For him personally, it was the, the forefront of everything he thought about. Do you know, this wasn't previously his way of life, as we might remember. Let's look at this just for a, a few moments. Like This guy, Paul, he hated Jesus. He hated everything Jesus stood for and those that followed the way. That's what we were called, those that followed the way, the truth and the life. He hated it. He was killing Christians. He was part of a band, a troop, killing Christians, imprisoning them. And he wanted to stop this message of Jesus at any cost. Acts 7, this guy Stephen is getting crucified. He was stoned, sorry. Publicly stoned. Publicly executed for his belief in Jesus. Because he basically told the Sanhedrin, the the religious authorities about Jesus, saying he walked them through Israel's history and said, and then you killed him. We killed him. And he would not renounce it, so they stoned him. But that, the person that was overlooking it all, kind of the boss, the, the, the one that was kind of rubbing his hands with glee was this guy, Paul. In Acts 9, first verse of Acts 9, it says Paul was ravaging the church. He was still breathing out murderous threats. Have you ever faced that? I haven't. He was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he was on his way on the road to Damascus to continue his work of hatred. And then what happened? He encountered Jesus. He encountered the risen saviour. Jesus simply said, Paul, why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting me, as in us? Who are you, Lord? He was knocked to the ground, lost his eyesight. Then it was restored, and then he gave the rest of his life, sharing the good news of Jesus everywhere he went. I want you to know that 
the gospel is the most precious thing we can ever understand. This news of Jesus. This is where it all springs from. This is where life itself flows from. This is where the rest of the series is going to go. Step by step, we're going to look at different aspects, but this is where we start. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. And everything changes. You know, Paul's life previously had a complete change of heart. Let me show you what pride to humility looks like. Philippians 3, verse 4 first, it says, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, kind of saying, check me out for a moment, everyone. I have more confidence to put confidence in my own flesh because this is who I was. I was circumcised on the eighth day from the people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee, remember? Pretty high up there. As for zeal, I was the one persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, and I was faultless. What he's doing here is like, guys, I was a big deal. I was a massive deal. This was his heart. This was pride to humility. Just want you all to know, I, Paul, was a big deal. However, this is what melts him. Whatever gains were to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. It means nothing now. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things and consider them all dung. Garbage. Poo-poo. Poo-poo. <laughs> Genuinely, this is the language here, that I might gain Christ. It's not poo-poo. It's much more explicit than that. You know, and I put myself in this story and think, when I walked into that evening, like a Jack the Lad, thinking, life's, life's sweet, in a moment, I was like, nothing else matters. Like right now, nothing else matters. Remember coming out of this home, I'd just given my life to Jesus. I phoned my now wife, Em, and I think I've become a Christian. I, I don't know. I didn't really want to. It wasn't part of the plan. I just wanted you. I wanted to follow you into the church because that's what you wanted. And Jesus is alive. Like he's washed me, he's changed me. And I can now consider everything else just dung, really. So for Paul, this was at the forefront of his thinking. And friends, family, I, I want this at the forefront of my thinking. Because a lot of the time it's not. And I want it at the forefront of my thinking. Whoever I'm with, man, Jesus, you're my hope. You're my life. You're my salvation. You're everything to me. You're everything to us. The, wonder why, the reason why we've rolled out of bed to put our Sunday best on to get our backsides here is because Jesus is alive. Otherwise, let's stay in bed. Genuinely, what's the point of any of it? We're here, led by wonderful musicians, like glorying in the presence of God. Jesus, you're alive. Father, right now, I just, I ask that you would do something in our hearts right now. Just make it real for you. Just ask him. 
Say, do something in my heart again where joy will be restored. Where just the simplicity of the gospel again will underpin everything I am, everything I believe. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Just keep pointing to Jesus. That's what he does, folks. Look at him. Look at Jesus. Paul writes to the Corinthian church as well. 1 Corinthians 2.2 For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Christ Jesus and him crucified. Galatians 6.14 Paul wrote this as well. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, right at the heart of this gospel message, this amazing news is a cross. This is right at the heart of everything, is a cross. It's a place of execution. It's a place where our Saviour died. Jesus was interrogated, he was beaten, he was questioned, he was then pinned hands and foot to the cross that he had to carry where he suffocated and died. He bled and he died. And it was on public display. What was his cry from the cross? Not, I'm going to call a billion angels to obliterate everyone. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. This crucifixion is just barbaric. 2,000 years on, it's still right at the heart of our thinking. We're still celebrating an execution place. But we don't. We don't see people wearing gallows around their necks and, you know, swords as earrings. Well, we do. Pirates do. But you don't see people with a, like a hangman's noose on a T-shirt and pointing to it and celebrating I remember watching a boxing match last year, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather coming into the ring and Floyd Mayweather was flashing his money everywhere. Hope he doesn't hear this and bash me up. Flashing money everywhere. Money, money, money. Song came out. Money. Here's the money maker. Manny Pacquiao, this Filipino that was taken from rags to riches, gave his life to Jesus. He just came down. He had Jesus saves and Jesus loves you on a t-shirt and he just kept pointing to it. Every camera around the world, CNN, Fox News, Jesus loves you and he saves. Still, right at the forefront of our thinking. But linked to this cross, friends, is an empty tomb, an empty grave and a resurrected saviour. So the cross is the reference point. That's where it happened. This is where the whole of history was pointing towards But the other side of the cross is an empty grave and a resurrected saviour. One theologian, I forget who it was, says we we follow both a crucified and risen Lord. And that's what we have to understand. That's the gospel. It's like one coin, two sides, crucified and risen. Crucified and risen. You know, many, many people, you might be here this morning, feel, man, okay, what on earth has that got to do with my life? Like, what on earth? A middle-aged Jew, 2,000 plus years on, that got himself killed for a few radical views. How does that change my life, San? 
That's a great question. This is the news. This is what Paul wanted to say. It changes everyone's lives if they can accept it, if they can receive it, if they can have eyes of faith that can see beyond themselves and into Jesus. Because this death and resurrection achieved for us something quite mind-blowingly ridiculous. If you look at the screen again, another scripture will come up. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us. Look at that. For he has rescued us from the dominion or the realm or the place of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, this is the point of the gospel. Two coin, one coin, two sides, darkness to light. He has taken us from somewhere. He's not just kind of helped us live life better. He has actually taken us from somewhere. He's come back and removed us from somewhere. And it's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of sin, the kingdom, the dominion of darkness, And he's taken us from that place and he's brought us to a whole new land, the kingdom of the son he loves, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, darkness to light. 1 Peter says, we were once not a people, but now we're the people. He says, we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light, into his wonderful light. We've been taken from death to life. You know, a Christian, I remember people who said to me, are you one of those born-again Christians? Literally like that, weird. And I was like, yeah. Because there's no other kind. There's no other kind. We're we're the born-again kind. Because we were once dead. I was once not alive. I was breathing, but I wasn't living. He's taken me, you friends, from death to life. Ephesians says, but as for you, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, but because of his great love, he made us alive with Christ. It's incredible. Like if you want a fridge magnet scripture, here it is. Just pin your Bible to it. Apart from the bit that says don't eat grapes that fall on the floor, it's a bit weird for us today. Five-second rule and all that. The gospel tells me that I've been rescued from sin. The Bible talks about us being hidden with him, seated in him, clothed with him, baptised. I've put on Jesus like a garment. We're so one. As he and the Father are one, we are now in him, seated as one with God. And because of this, we've received redemption and forgiveness of sins. Let's look at this because this is the gospel. We need to know that we need rescuing. Firstly, friends, it starts by knowing you need rescuing. On the Alpha course, I heard something and it humbled me. I thought, what? Yeah, I'm a wretched, broken sinner. I see it. And I need rescuing. You only need to look at the news, right? What happened here a few months ago, still just shocking like sadness on steroids, like beyond understanding. Still think of some of the children in my mind, you know, you still think of some of these lives, but it's the horror of the human heart that did it. 
What happened in Las Vegas just a few days ago? Still just, what on earth? But this is the world we live in. This is the one that Jesus, God put on flesh for, put a suit on as humanity and came to invade because of this. My, me and my buddy Brian here, we, we know of a friend that, man, a terrible fall from grace. But another friend reminded us the seed of all this sin is in all of our hearts. And it's in all of us. So we all need rescuing. I want you to know that. None of us are good. The Bible says no one is good, not even one. None of us. Man, I know some good people, better than a lot of Christians I know. Bless you. Happened in the first service as well. <laughs> Any more? Any more? Sorry, Becky. Not even one. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us. And the wages of sin is death and payday's coming. Payday is coming, but God is patient and he's not wanting any to perish. You look, look at the news and you think, there's the goodness of our God because he's leaving it as long as he possibly can. He wants this gospel to go to the ends of the earth and then he'll come. So you want him to come? Keep telling people about Jesus. Like genuinely, if you want to speed up the return of Jesus, keep telling your friends and family about him. Do your bit. <laughs> Gone off my notes a little bit. We were born separated, cut off from our maker, made in his image, made in his image and likeness. But we've been born cut off because of Adam and Eve, the original sin. They walked in harmonious fellowship with their maker. They could enjoy everything. They were told, just don't eat that because it will ruin you. And they ate it, and it ruined them, and it's ruined us. But God in his infinite wisdom came. He put on skin and he came down to earth because of his great love. So this is what redemption looks like. It's the action of gaining or regaining possession of something in exchange of something else. So it's kind of like clearing a debt, if you like. So the what I want us to see is redemption is the act of exchange where Jesus trades his life for us. It's a payoff, it's a trade-in, it's a swap. It's the most incredible swap. And it's a debt clearer. It's a debt clearer. Isaiah 53, 5. Look at this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we've been healed. And put yourself in these, this one verse. He was pierced. His side was pierced with a spear. Isaiah saw something. He's going to be pierced for humanity. His heart was punctured with a spear. He was crushed for all of my junk and ours. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes, his wounds, we've been healed. Paul saw this hundreds of years on. 2 Corinthians, he says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. There's a great exchange right there. God made him sin. Some translations say to be an offering for us. 
a sacrifice, a lamb that was worthy for the sins of the whole world. Hebrews says time after time, priests go in and they sacrifice time after time after time, but it can never take away sin. But when this priest, when Jesus gave up his life, it was one sacrifice for all time. That's what redemption looks like. And for anyone who calls on his name will be saved. I want you to prophetically see a huge olive branch coming out from heaven this morning. And it's for anyone that would want to grab onto it. And it will just remain over you. As long as you've got air in your lungs, this olive branch from heaven will remain over you. And all you have to do is grab hold of it. You know, what took Jesus to the cross? Love is what took him there. What held him there was love. He could have climbed down at any point. He's the king of glory. He invented wood. Trees. He could have climbed down at any point, but what kept him there was love, was you. I want you to think it's you that kept him there. For the joy set before him, Scripture says, that's you and me. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he's now sat down at the right hand of the Father. His life was the ransom. He paid our debt in full, all of our mess. You know, ransom is linked to redemption. Ransom, as we know, it's a large sum that's paid for the release of a captive. It's a large sum. So I want you to see that the, the sum was paid, which was the son, his life. The Bible says that we've been brought at a very high price, his blood, his body. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, communion, we're remembering his body busted, his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. So I want to look at forgiveness now because from redemption, we need to know we've been forgiven. We've not just been taken somewhere, we've been completely washed new. This is the brilliant message right here. Not only have we been adopted by God the Father through his Son, but we've been washed, made new, and now called sons. Sons and daughters. As Sarah said earlier, being forgiven means to be pardoned. And being pardoned means that all punishment that was coming your way has now been stopped, it's been ceased, it's been dismantled, absolved, overlooked, reconciled, dealt with, freed from, you've been discharged for it. All charges against you in Christ are removed. That's amazing. Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ, no punishment for those in Christ. The Bible is pretty clear about one thing that God chooses to forget. This infinite God chooses to forget our sin. Do you need to hear that? Man, because I don't forget it. But he wants me to forget it because he's forgotten it. Let me show you Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west. That's quite a long way. So far as he removed our transgressions. So just as we bring this all into a close, I guess, then we're going to sing and then we're going to pray. What's been removed? What's been blotted out? What's been remembered no more? Guilt, 
first, shame. You know, guilt. Think about the guilt that we carry. Think about the guilt that you've carried all your life, possibly. What Katie brilliantly shared earlier, all of our failures. He's carried all of that. All of my shame. You know, some of the things I've done, oh man. You know, if I think about it, man, it could cause me to live in shame and guilt. But do you know what? I knew the moment that God washed me, he was washing all that away. We try to scrabble after it again because of our insecurities. And God goes, no, more Holy Spirit, just getting this out of the way. You don't carry it because I don't carry it. He doesn't carry it in his mind for us. He doesn't look at Neil and go, there's my son that's stained. He says, there's my son that stands brilliant white before me forever. All of our blame. You know, some of the things I've done, some of the things you've done, yeah, I needed blame for that. I was wrong. But Jesus, it has been absolved. It's been imputed into him and his righteousness now imputed into me. There's been this heavenly download, this transference that's gone on. And I believe with all my heart that God doesn't want us to mess around with guilt and shame, play around with them like they're our friends. They're our enemy. They don't belong in the kingdom of God. One sweet day we will revel in all eternity Never been anxious anymore. No more, no more suffering, no more sin, no more doubt, no more fear, no more death. Imagine a place. No more pain and sickness, no more shame and guilt, gone. Clear off right now in Jesus' name because that's what he paid for. The Bible, I think, is very clear that if we don't believe, if we, if we think we earn it somehow, he died for nothing. We don't earn it. He gives it to us as a free, free gift. All wrongs, past, present, and future. That doesn't mean we just live freely and we go and rob a bank. It means that somehow this grace and love and mercy has so changed my life that I can live in freedom. I can live the life that God won for me at the cross. And that's to be an accepted, secure confident, free son. I don't mean arrogance. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat terrified up here. But I'm confident in him. Christ's right standing before the Father has been given to you, friends, as a gift. So enjoy it for the rest of your days. Enjoy it for the rest of your days. It will never be taken from you. No one can come knock on the door and go, give me that gift. Sorry, I didn't mean to give it to you, Dan. It was meant for Lucy. No, it's your gift, bro. And it's yours to enjoy every day. And you're such a worshipper. It's beautiful watching you guys up here leading us because I can see what he means to you. And that's all of us. We can live in this. We can get up every day, man. Man, my Redeemer lives. He set me free forever.